0: You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, courtesy of all of us here on the Locked On Utes podcast, specifically myself, Brian Brown. Welcome to the show. We are going to do a mailbag episode for you, and we're going to break that out into a couple segments because we got a question that I think requires a lot of conversation. I want to open it up a little bit. Also, we'll talk about some uh, walk-on entries into the transfer portal from the University of Utah and give you a rundown of what to expect this weekend. All that coming up on today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast. This is Thursday. Thursday. May 27th, 2021. It's a great day to be a Ute here on the Locked On Utes podcast as part of the Locked On Broadcast Network broadcast podcast video. We do it all these days. Uh, Brought to you by RockAuto.com That is RockAuto, amazing selection Reliably low prices, all the parts your car Will ever need, visit RockAuto.com And tell them Locked On sent you Gonna break things out We've got a couple of mailbag questions That I wanted to get to One specifically, good friend of the program Avid listener A uh, pontificator For the ages Utah punt team uh, Had a question that we're gonna kind of Run into a full segment, so bear with me as I, I work through this one a little bit. But I do think it's pretty important to discuss. Uh, he says, "I got one brown bear SLC. This might be scrambled though, so maybe read first and help where I need it." I will also make some wrong assumptions. Back in 2019, we were super good, but got our beep kicked when we played top athletes recruits. I think the game he's referring to the most is is Oregon and Texas. Uh, he follows that up with, is the current batch of recruits a way to combat this? Question mark. We're getting top recruits through the portal that didn't work out instead of low-level recruits that were amazing at lower levels. Although recruiting is picked up, we are known for super good football players that have some limitations, size, speed, etc. Are we trying to shift through the transfer portal to getting players with better measurables with the hope that we should be able to physically compete with these talented teams because we can't recruit an entire class of these four-star kids? Or uh, you know, is this um, just kind of the way things are, I think, would be the, the counter to that. And I think there's a couple parts that we want to break down here. I want to talk a little bit about that 2019 Utah football team because there was a prevailing thought that against teams like Oregon and Texas, Utah just didn't have the athletes to match up. And I think to a degree that's the truth. In, when I was at Snow College, our head coach – Uh, Steve Coburn, currently the head coach at Wasatch High School, doing a great job up there as they're really starting to roll. program is built well. They've got some great uh, players going in there and actually a couple kids coming out of there now going on to play college ball. So great job up there. Shout out to Coach. I doubt that he's listening, but he used to say to us before every game, our best against their best. We win no competition. And I think that in regards to that 2019 Utah football team, there was a ton of talent on that squad. A lot of it was pretty talented in terms of athleticism. Uh, I think Tyler Huntley's proving that he is an NFL-level QB, which even if you're a third-string QB in the NFL, that makes you a top 90 QB in the world when you really sit down and think about it. Now, that kind of conversation, I think, leaves a lot to be desired because, for one, Some QBs just fit into different systems better. Two, I don't know that we're always to a point to where we can slot people the way that we do like test scores or mathematic equations or ratings or things of that nature because there's that human component about it. And I know that that's being a little bit picky in this conversation, but I do have a place that I'm going to with this. So it's fluid, right? Because I think the other thing too is Aaron Rodgers. I think is a classic example about this. The year before they drafted Jordan Love, it kind of appeared like maybe things were getting a little raw or or rusty with him. And then all of a sudden, the Packers go and draft Jordan Love, and suddenly he's revitalized and working and and remotivated and everything like that. I think Tim or uh, Tim Tom Brady is another great example of this. In his season with the Bucks, started off a little bit slowly and then all of a sudden picked things up to where he won a Super Bowl. I think how we measure greatness is a little bit difficult. And I had this thought process when I was watching Julius Randall for the New York Knicks play the other night. Randall's had a great season. And I think he's about to find out the difference between being a great player in the regular season and being a truly great player, which is being able to perform and get the job done no matter what level, what expectation, what attention is going on top of you. And that's where I think we maybe have a hard time just straight comparing teams and athleticism and stuff like that straight across. There are certain metrics that we can use. I think forty times is a very popular one. Uh, shuttle cone, all that kind of stuff. There are those times out there. Number of bench press reps. Uh, you know, efficiency stats on the field. But there's enough variance and situational stuff to where I don't know that you can always say you know, on every single play, every single opportunity that. Player A is going to outplay player B because player A's efficiency rating or his bench press numbers or his 40 time is better than player B. And as I've thought and reflected on this 2019. 2019- Utah football team I watched every single game and they were just steamrolling teams and trucking people I remember watching them against UCLA Colorado where it looked like they were just toying with the opponent for stretches of the game because not necessarily because they were bored But because they were looking for a challenge And I think that challenge showed up in the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon I think a few situations probably Killed the mindset of the football team in that game, namely losing Julian Blackman and R.J. Hubert to injury. I think that hurt. I think going down a few scores to Oregon hurt them a lot. I think that the way Oregon started that game with Justin Herbert running the football threw them for a little bit of a loop. I think if you look at those two teams, our best versus their best, Oregon should win every single time. That's a hard thing to say because nobody wants to concede that a team is better than nobody wants to concede that a team is, is, you know, unbeatable or anything like that. But that's the reality is that I think if you were to find a metric or a system that could specifically compare talent levels and everything like that, Oregon was probably the better team that overall. Uh, Now the difference being that I think that the way Utah plays football disciplined, uh, very technically sound. They they play within their scheme. They stick to their scheme very very tightly. They're very well managed in game and and throughout the season. I think that gives Utah an edge. The way that they play, they play so hard and they compete so much. I think it typically gives Utah an edge against most teams and most programs. So even if a team is like Oregon, who is superior athletically for the most part, you know, not entirely, but for the most part. Uh, you know, I, I think back to that play with Brady Breeze, where had it been, you know, I believe it was a targeting, but it, had it been confirmed a targeting, that could have changed the entire outcome of the game. Because I think that's the strength of Utah. Or the fourth down uh, try with Zach Moss, had he had picked the different hole, had had Braden Daniels done a better job of securing his block, one way or another, whatever it is that you want to nitpick on that on that series, um, that suddenly changes the outcome of the game. It changes the mindset of the team. And I think this Utah football team, that when they're confident in the fact that their game plan, their strategy, their management is better than the other team, that's when they really rise to the occasion. And and that's when they're really at their best. So I don't necessarily think that Utah was at their best against Oregon. I also don't think that Oregon was necessarily playing their best, but it was pretty darn close. Uh, I think if you were to play that game 10 times, Utah probably wins it. Four or five, and Oregon probably wins it six or five. Uh, I do think it's really close, and I think it's really competitive. So, when we talk about these athletic advantages with teams, I think you see it most in the fourth quarter of that game in 2019, where Kayvon Thibodeau is able to just pin his ears back and let his athleticism take over uh, against a Utah tackle that it was starting for his first year, still learning the position. Uh, I think everybody, for the most part, knows who it was. Don't need to single him out. And that made it feel like it was an absolute beat down or a beep kicking, as our friend Punts for Utah says. Uh, by the way, I missed the Punts for Brown Bear name, but don't change it. Punts for Utah is fine. I like that too. Um, so as I'm kind of wrapping up this thought in this discussion a little bit, I think that's where talent and athleticism really comes about is, is at that downhill stretch where they can just Flat out play and showcase that athleticism now when you neutralize it because you're executing your scheme because you're executing technique because the game is still tight and they're not able to just pin their ears back and rush you like crazy that's where Utah has that advantage and I think they're always going to be that kind of a football team no matter what caliber athlete they have in the program Uh, but I do believe that that's where we find this juxtaposition of of Utah trying to make this transition into being a four and a five star team versus being a three and and sometimes a four star team or a predominantly two and three star team. It's it's a question of depth for one. It's a question of finding more guys that can rise to the top. And I think the big part about it is that Utah blaze, for the most part, fairly conservatively. Now, I know that they blitz a lot, but there are very calculated blitzes. Uh, the amount of film and the amount of statistical analysis that the team watches and does to break down those games and know when to blitz, what blitz to bring, where to bring it from is massive. I think most people would be very surprised by the amount of analytical data that Kyle Whittingham and his staff assemble Uh, both through outside sources and through inside the program and everything like that, uh, how much they apply it in their game plans and usages. Now, there still is a lot of feel and and kind of gut and that kind of thing that goes into it as well. But this is a program that has a very set Uh, Standard in terms of player athleticism and and output. They always have. So it's maybe a little bit more analytical than people might think, even though they don't share those analytics or talk about them or quote statistics all the time. But if you listen to a Kyle Whittingham press conference, in in his estimation, he'll always quote the exact stat, right? Like we had 342 yards rushing. We think that's enough to get by. Um, The one thing I think with regards to that year – The Texas game, you kind of got to throw out. And and I know that Utah fans wanted to win that game. They wanted to show out and everything like that. This was a team that was in transition. I want to point out the fact that they had lost Nicole Detling that season, who was the uh, head sports psychologist for the University of Utah Athletic Department at that point. And uh, she had transitioned into some other roles. But Nicole, I cannot stress this enough, was so, so instrumental in implementing more sports psychology into the program, into her conversations with Kyle Whittingham. She is an incredible, she was an incredible asset to that program. She's an incredible asset to the athletic community in general because she has an ability to perceive, interpret body language that is is more than just learned. but some of it is intuitive, some of it comes from being around athletes so much and, and doing that so often. And so I think some of that did impact the team because her guidance, her experience with the program, her relationship with Kyle Whittingham, you know, they used to, and I I hope I'm not sharing anything that's, that's outside of, Uh, you know, their comfort level. But Nicole and Kyle would have conversations pregame about what's the body language of the team? What should the approach be? How should we handle this? How should we motivate this? This is a good reminder that Kyle Whittingham has a master's in psychology. So he's not just all about being the uh, blunt force uh, trauma distributor as a linebacker that we often think he is. He's an analytical person. He's very careful. He's very methodical. Uh, Some might call him obsessive. I think his uh, 10,000-day streak of getting at least 30 minutes of exercise is very good proof of that. But I think that played a factor into it because I think when you lack the familiarity between those two, positions and and the team in general that can lead to either some misinterpretations or some disruptions and so I think that was a part of it maybe in that Oregon game hard to say you know there there's a lot of factors but I do think that's one that's worth pointing out I especially think it was one in getting guys back on track for the game against Texas and the comments after the game and and some of the style of play and and guys who who sat and guys who played you know there are program expectations there at, at the University of Utah that this is you play in the bowl game you know you you go to class you you do this you do that you do the other i think even there even though guys were committed to it i'm not sure that they were always committed to it it was also a very weird timing and i think the disappointment of getting that close to either a playoff appearance or a rose bowl appearance and then having to end up at the alamo bowl was difficult, and if I was a first-time sports psychologist, and I am a very big fan of mental performance coaching, especially from the legitimately licensed sports psychologists, and I'm not talking about the your friends on Instagram or or whatever else who call themselves mental performance coaches. I think mental performance coaching gets a bad rap because a lot of amateurs try to uh, mimic it, and and it comes across very. Uh, watered down on Instagram And, and, and social media and whatnot. Uh, I'm talking about the Brian Kites of the world The Justin Suas of the world uh, The Timothy Kites The Timothy Kite is, is Urban Meyer's Culture guru He's a, a pioneer in sports psychologist Riley Jensen locally is another one that I Hold in incredibly high esteem And we're seeing it now as Riley's become The, the, the head sports psychologist For Weber State, I believe he's now at Utah State And also RSL as well um, you know, in addition to all the work he does with local high schools and individuals and, and whatnot. So there's a lot of that that goes on where I think these people that are licensed and, and, and really have in-depth training into it do an incredible job. And sometimes if you're new to that, even if you're coming from the world of psychology or the psychology profession, it's a little bit different when you're dealing with athletes. And as someone who's met with psychologists, both on a mental health perspective and also Done some performance coaching on a very very mild level in the high school level. There's a very different approach to how you talk to someone who has mental health issues or is struggling with mental health or is trying to get go through therapy to overcome things, and how you speak to someone that you're uh, going to through performance uh, issues and 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 trying to resolve those. So a lot of different factors with that one, but I think the first part of that question, I do think that Utah probably had. The the team that could compete with those squads and under other circumstances, there's a good possibility that they win those games. Um, just a few unfortunate events. And I also used to talk about there's five plays in every game that will make or, or break you in terms of whether or not you win. And I think if you look at that game in San Francisco, it's easy to find five plays that broke the Utes in that game. Um, I, I don't want to go too deep into it cause I know it's, it's a fresh wound. It's an, an old, I shouldn't say fresh wound. It's an older wound. And, uh, you know, there's always the few fans out there that are too soon, too soon. It's look, I, I, I get it all, all together. Anyways, this segment's gone very long. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about that Maybe share some information that people hadn't heard in the past I hope uh, this is at least Somewhat helpful for you to understand How talent matches up with teams And how that comes into play And everything like that uh, it, it's, it's a fascinating subject I could talk about it all day um, But I'm not going to I'm actually going to talk about something else right now I bet you can guess what's coming Yes, that's right We're going to talk about Rock Auto Our favorites Uh you know, it, it's it's a crazy world out there right now. And, and with people going back to work, I'm sure that there are cars that have been sitting that are now getting a lot more use that likely need some service. And there's a lot of different things out there that you can do on your own. I, I think it's a fun activity. Uh, we've shared some stories in the past from, from listeners who have... You know, done uh, a brake pad replacement job, or or maybe you're like me and you like to tinker with your automobile a little bit. Um, You know, I'm looking into putting a set of 22 dubs on my Chevy Impala, and and maybe popping out some suicide doors, a la T-Pain in his uh, "What You Know About That" music video. And and if I need to get that done, I know where to go. It's Rock Auto because they've been in business for 20 years. Uh, they know the industry. You can get all sorts of auto and auto body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. So whatever it is I need, I'm likely going to be able to find it there. They may even have a package for it. That's what I love about Rock Auto is when I want to get my brakes done, there's a package available. It comes from all the manufacturing uh, places that I like. And you can just go ahead, add it into your cart, a few easy clicks, boom, dropped it right there at your door. It's really cool. Catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. and see all the parts right up there for your vehicle. Check and see if it looks like the one you pulled off or if it looks like the one you saw on the internet, just to make sure. But the best part about Rock Auto, without a doubt, is their prices are always reliably low. Same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. There's no reason to go to AutoZone and have Chuck the... Uh, Coke bottle glass uh, auto parts guy behind the counter hoarding his secret book. Try and charge you double when you can just go to rockauto.com, find it yourself and get it set there. One thing I need you to do is when you go to rockauto.com to order that stuff, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. We are grateful that they support us. We are grateful that I'm able to bring you this podcast because of them. So uh, go to rockauto.com amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Alrighty, jumping back into our mailbag edition as uh, Punts for Utah's finishing off his second part of the question. Uh, is the transfer portal and getting all the top recruits through the portal that didn't work out instead of low-level recruits that were amazing at lower levels, um, is that a way that they're trying to shift from getting players with better measurables that, in the hopes that they can be able to come physically uh, because they're unable to recruit an entire class of these four-star kids. Maybe. I think we're in a series of transitions in college football right now, and the game is changing. And so as things change, it's tough to really make those evaluations. I think there are certain positions that Utah's done well at going through the transfer portal and acquiring talent. I think some of it has to do with the position coach. I think Kyle McDonald especially has had a lot of success through the transfer portal. He's been able to make contact with a lot of guys to convey that family feeling, that uh, emotion of playing for Utah football. I think Jaquindon Jackson might be the best example of that, where he went to Texas, he had a sour taste in his mouth, he didn't like the atmosphere or the culture there, and he wanted to get out. And so he talked to his buddy, Ty Jordan, we've heard the story. Uh, Ty said, come out to Utah. It's a great family atmosphere. I don't know that he ever visited before he got here. So there was a little bit of culture shock initially. I think it was a little bit too cold for his liking. But as he was around the program, as he started to get acclimated, he started to see the family atmosphere. So is that something that a kid who is coming out of high school is going to see immediately? Maybe but most likely not, and I think we're seeing that a little bit with Ethan Calvert and Josh Calvert. Ethan was always kind of a little bit to his own drum and was always kind of going to do his own thing, and he built a really strong relationship with Cole Swan and came to Utah because he wanted to experience that culture, and I think also because he wants to play in the NFL, and there's no better way to get to the NFL than playing linebacker at the University of Utah when you've got all those stud defensive linemen in front of you. So some of it is that, yes, you can capitalize on the mistakes of other programs and the lies of other programs. I think there's a classic example of this going on with Pella Larson right now where Pella goes to Arizona, and now all of a sudden Arizona's recruited another guard on top of him. I don't think that changes what happens with Pella down there. I think he'll still play and and likely win out. But this is the problem with college athletics and why I rarely, if ever, fault the players in a lot of these situations Coaches lie, and they lie a lot. And, and we can talk about that it's, well, they have to do it for the benefit of their program or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's a lot like sales uh, salespeople these days where they're going to tell you a story more so than they're going to try and find what fits your needs. And so if you were to flip it around and actually have somebody that was out there hunting down the best position or the best opportunity for a player and presenting to them without kind of bias – now, all of a sudden, it's a different scenario, right? But coaches are going to do everything they possibly can to figure out what it is that you're looking for, to sell you on that pitch, to to frame and market their program as being this, that, and the other. And the other thing, too, is that these 18-year-old kids are likely a little bit, I don't want to say gullible, but they're still uh, trusting of everything like that. And and so when kids have handlers or, or kids have somebody else that's going to bat on, on their behalf, I don't think it's always a bad thing. We tend to color things with whatever negative story we've heard and that tends to be the norm. And it isn't always the case. There's a lot of kids out there that have great high school coaches that keep an eye out for them and trying to take care of some of those responsibilities and duties on behalf of the student or the athlete or the player so that they don't get caught up in the uh, sales pitch, so to speak. I heard an interesting story about Antonio Brown. His high school coach is actually still his handler to this day. Is taking care of a lot of his uh, affairs and, and making sure that he gets to the places that he needs to get to whatnot. And it's because he understands him and he cares about him. Now, uh, some people might argue, well, yeah, but he's also, you know, profiting off of that. Yeah, yeah, that's society. You know what I mean? But if anybody can relate and, and build trust with him and, and make sure that he gets back on the right track, as as the more that I've heard about that situation from from people around and, and in involved with it, he is working avidly to try and uh, improve himself. You know, this is not a defense for anything he's done. I'm just sharing what I've heard. Uh, those people become those mentors become even more important. So as we circle back this around to this, some of it is that Utah is not going to always be dealing with handlers. I think some of it is the business of college football. There are you know, thousand dollar handshakes out there and envelopes full of cash and, and we can bury our heads in the sand over it and claim that it's not a part of it, but it is. And, and, you know, that's, that's another aspect that you have to deal with. And then, you know, the, the, it's not an easy thing to deal with to to run a very clean and and a very mature program, but the University of Utah has tried to do a very good job of it. So sometimes what happens with the transfer portal is that those kids who get uh, lured into there by the big lights or the money or everything like that, and they don't end up playing because the coach is just trying to protect his position group, They end up wanting to leave and they want to go somewhere authentic and truthful. And that's what Utah's really built a reputation of, is being an authentic and true program. Uh, I don't know that we're necessarily getting better athletes uh, because it's, you know, what better athlete out there is there than Van Fillinger or Xavier Carlton? You know, those are kind of new guys, but for the most part, but there aren't a lot of uh, equivalent defensive ends in the transfer portal uh, much at all. I think Brandon McKinney is a pretty good example of what Utah's picking up in terms of he's a very similar player to a lot, a lot of guys that they they know and and I think a part of it is that with a guy like Brandon McKinney who Utah has recruited previously, who they know who he is, that's an easy go-get right and and he's dissatisfied in washington for whatever reason i've talked a little bit on the boards over at utah about how he might be a better fit schematically at utah than he would be at at washington and so that's an option too there are a lot of factors so i think the blanket statements of saying um uh you know like this that or the other is the only reason can be a little bit difficult uh I think you're starting to see that the physically uh, more talented athletes are coming through a variety of means now. Somebody somebody close to the program told me a story that when Clark Phillips walked into the building, uh, everybody turned around and said, wow, so that's what a four-star cornerback looks like. And that's on the heels of somebody like Jalen Johnson leaving the program. So some of it comes from finding guys that are willing to buy into what Utah is selling. Uh, there is obviously uh, that player out there who is just athletically different. And I think Lecky Foto is a great example of that. But Lecky took a lot of coaching and he took a lot of development. And even to this day, I think there are still parts of Lecky's game that need to be developed and monitored and, and closely coached. And there are some programs out there that don't want to deal with that. And sometimes they'll tell a guy to come in and do it, and the guy will buy in and believe it then he'll get there and realize that he's not getting the same kind of attention that he wants. I think Cameron Cooper is a great example of this. He's starting to thrive under Nick Rolovich, where he didn't really thrive as much under Mike Leach. And as I talk to people uh, around that program previously, the, the prevailing thought with me is that it's not so much that Mike Leach is a quarterback guru. I think he just managed to attract the right kind of guys, and he got enough of them in in there that at least one of them would hit. And so that's kind of where he's had his success, you know, especially, I think, with the legend that is uh, Gardner Minshew. That's one that always stands in everybody's mind. Like, Gardner had been coached by everybody. So he was kind of just a dude that needed someone to believe in him and buy into him a little bit. And he got there and Leach liked him, and that was that. So, Uh, Now, uh, in the case of Cameron Cooper, it seems like a guy like Nick Rolovich who really enjoys the hands-on aspect and and coaching his guys up, now all of a sudden he's thriving. And so I think those are the factors that I find the University of Utah. I'm looking at the transfer portal now and saying, okay, this is where we can really make an effort, right? And we've got our guys here that we like and they're they're taking part of the program and they're developing and they're doing good. But we can go get this guy and this guy and this guy, and that's an improvement over the three star that maybe we could go get from uh, Helix or or wherever else that they're hunting. Um, and you can go and you can develop that guy. Now there's the counter to that, like you know, by Darius Knighton, I think was a guy from the FCS level or FBS FCS level that Utah really liked. A guy that's taking a little bit longer to develop, and that's another part of it too. Some of those smaller programs, maybe you take a look at that guy, and, and maybe his athletic measurables just aren't there. I don't know that that's always the case, you know. And it could be something as simple as just like some guys are more flexible than others, uh, so it's it's hard to make those broad blanket statements that it's just they're better athletes. I think a lot of it is situational. I think a lot of it depends on what your relationship with the player is previously. Uh, and I think a lot of it just kind of is just what do we need right now? And we're starting to see more and more programs are going to go through the transfer portal. And a lot of it is because high school kids are just simply so unpredictable. Whereas a kid that's been through a year in a program has grown up a little bit and, and maybe he's not happy somewhere uh, you know, Jay Toya is a defensive lineman that just entered the portal from USC. Uh, that's another one that pumped up, popped up on the U zone boards. Um, he's another guy that I believe, you know, probably fell under that spell of going to USC and, and being this guy that could bring it back and, and got pitched on a pitch that really wasn't entirely true. And he got there and it turned out not to be what you expected. And, and so for those guys, there's not a reason for them to sit there and waste that time they're better off going somewhere where they're wanted, where a coach believes in them. Uh, You know, and that's another part of it too, is that a coach that's willing to work with you and believe in you can mean everything. Uh, As someone who only had one coach really positionally positionally uh, one coach that ever believed in him. And that was my college coach. It meant everything. And, and when he bought into me, I suddenly became a much better player because i believed i belonged and that can be a huge difference maker so it's a fascinating topic. It's a fascinating conversation. I appreciate the Utah Punt team giving me an entire show's worth of material to talk about because it is something that I think this this is the time of year where we can break some of this down a little bit more uh, yeah, just deconstructed. You know, This is like our pizza that we're breaking into 15 different parts, and here's the cheese, and here's the, here's the dough, here's the sauce, here's the toppings, and, and we can kind of mix it all up and talk about it a little bit more. So if you do have questions about things like this, Uh, I know people have asked in the past or if you have something that you uh, really want to know about now's the time to get those in so we can talk about them and especially because uh, it it is that time of the year that that uh, you know the the season the next season odds are rolling out and we're going to start talking about preseason games and everything like that and you know what else we're going to start talking about where you can place your bets and that's been online AG—it's the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They've got preseason stuff going up every single day. Odds on how many games teams are going to win. Odds on who's going to win the Pac-12 championship. They're in the off-season mode, just like the rest of us, trying to calculate, decide who's the favorite. I've mentioned that Utah is a thousand to one or ten to one odds uh, to win the Pac-12 championship. And and listen. There may or may not have been some Skittles deposited on that from a certain podcast host on a certain network. But the best part about it is it's super easy to do that thing. It's super easy to sign up for it. It's super easy to put that money down because when you go to betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on, you get a 50% welcome bonus. And that 50% welcome bonus can turn into a lot of money really, really fast. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. As this is your chance to get in the game. As teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, you can go bet on NBA, uh, NHL, um, there's always golf, tennis, there's all sorts of action going on. So head to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code locked on for that 50% welcome bonus and start earning your Skittles like me. Betonline.ag, again, your online sportsbook experts. All right, a longer than normal episode here with uh, some answers to some mailbag questions. I hope that was entertaining to uh, those of you who decided to stay on long enough to listen. Uh, if not, you know where to go. Rate me five stars and then tell me how bad I stink in the comments. That's my favorite. Um, thanks again to uh, at Utah Punt Team for the question. Um, we'll cover some more ground in, in terms of uh, off-season stuff with Jake tomorrow, I'm sure. Uh, wanted to let everyone know yeah, Tristan Mander will be at the NCAA golf qualifier this weekend and also the baseball team will finish out their season at Linquist field up in Ogden that's going to be free admission for that series against USC if you want to drive up to Ogden and watch Bill Kenneberg's final uh final regular season series as the coach uh at Utah so good opportunity to get out if you're around this weekend if not no big deal um that's kind of it for today's episode. Uh, There was one last question um, from our friend uh, at Married Millennia, a.k.a. Bobby Carter, a.k.a. El Prez, a.k.a. Mr. President. He says, what do you think about a basketball free-for-all for the opening tip? No given direction for possession. Whoever wins the tip can choose either side of the court to score on. Defense would have to defend the whole court for one possession or possibly even every jump ball. I'm all for it. I think if any of you watched the Jazz game the other night, you know that it's just getting weird out there anyways with basketball and some of the calls that they were making. Why not start the thing off with a free-for-all and get a little bit more aggression into it, see what happens. I'm all for it. I love that idea. It's a great idea. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode of the Locked on Youth Podcast. If you haven't caught the Utah preview that I did with Cindy Robinson on the Locked on Pac-12 Podcast, go give it a listen. Let me know where I screwed up, what I missed on, what I should have mentioned. We're going to continue profiling players in the Pac-12 throughout the offseason. We know where our bread is buttered here in the Pac-12. It's obviously with football, and we'll continue to mix in news and notes as things come about and to our attention. Cindy does a great job with that. So always give her the subscribe rate review treatment. That's it for today's show. As I mentioned, thank you so much for tuning in, for listening, for following, for interacting. It is truly a treat to get to do this every single day. I don't know if I remind myself nearly enough of how lucky and grateful I am to be trusted to be the host of this podcast. So thank you to everyone who continues to support us and make it successful. It is very, very appreciated. On that note, I'm going to say this. I like you. I love you. It's always a great day to be a Utah fan. Stay well, be well, do well, my friends. This has been the Locked On Youth Podcast for Thursday, May 27th, 2021. And we're going to talk to you again on Friday.